and blessed be the name of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. You should rejoice and be glad in it. As you woke up this morning, it was still 110 degrees. I know you said, Lord, it's high outside. But what you should have said was, thank God I'm alive. Thank God it's Sunday. Thank God it's a day in a free country where we can still come to church and worship the Lord. Thank God that Jesus is still on the throne. Thank God He's coming back to get His house and people, His children soon. Thank God that we've been saved. Amen? I don't know about y'all. That's worth getting excited about. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our God is good. Now, we get caught up in how hot it is and how much we need rain. But let me tell you how blessed we are. We got a Savior in heaven named Jesus. And He came. He died for us. He redeemed us. He's coming back to get us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. And this world is never going to have victory over God's church. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you as well. Ask you to please fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you in the pew. Place an office place to come around so you can have your record to visit. We would greatly appreciate that. In the meantime, I do have several announcements I want to share with you. And the first one I want to do is our youth group is having a change in one of their plants. I'm going to ask Sister Nyan to come on over and tell us a little bit about that. Help with that. 
uh, let me know. We do have only two books paid for you in that. All right. Also, I uh, want to remind you that we have uh, tonight's services will be our quarterly business meeting. So I know the smiles just went upside down. <laughs> now, they're a lot of fun. I love to have me. Praise God. Uh, come and, and see what's done in a Baptist business meeting. You're invited to be a part of that. There'll be a little bit of worship, not a lot. And time remains. We'll have a message, but generally speaking, we don't have time remaining. But we'll be prepared for that just in case. Uh, but you are welcome to come be a part of it. Remember, come and share your vote in on that as well. All right. So Wednesday night services at 6.30 right here in the sanctuary. Don't forget, ladies, Bible study, 9.30. Tuesday and 6.30 in the evening on Tuesday. Don't forget men's Bible study, 6.30 on Thursday evening. And incidentally, if you missed out on the men's prayer breakfast on Saturday, you missed out on a blessing. I'm talking sausage, baby, biscuits, bacon, eggs, coffee, hot sauce. What's not to like, you know? So we had a wonderful message by Brother Darius Ford. And so we're already planning our next one coming up in September. We have the third Saturday of September. So plan to be there at 7 a.m over about 8, so prayerfully consider being part of that. All right, uh, not as much going on this next week or so. We need a little bit of a breather this for baby. Uh, we just can't poke the head into our fellowship hall and see how far the guys have come and renovating that. It's beautiful. I hope to get it done. I think they're now waiting for some things to come in uh, through the mail as they order them to come in, and eventually they're going to add our uh, sound uh, dampening blocks on the wall, I guess they might call that. So, um, anyway, we can't put it in there, look at the color, look at the trim, and see what the guys have done. The new ceiling that's in there, it's beautiful, and it was uh, got used for the first time Saturday in the mid prayer breakfast. And we need to fill a single cup of coffee, praise God. Yes, yes, amen. Thank you guys for all your hard work in there, and all of you that have supported that, faith for that, and those of you that have supported it financially as well. And sometimes people come and say, well, I don't can't do much, but I can do something little, and they spend just a little bit of time here and time there. Let me tell you, Every bit helps out. God bless you and thank you for that. If you missed out on last week, I seen so so for back to school. You also missed out on the blessing. However, you still grab some of our students in the back to the red bus there in the back. Commit to pray for one of those kids for the school year, one of the teachers. Grab one and pray for them. See what God does with their life through this school year. All right. So unless there's any other announcements, that's right. Thank you, Bob. Prior practice today at 430, we will be starting. Christmas Cantata, so come and be a part of that. If you're interested in singing in the Christmas Cantata, that starts 4.30 this afternoon in the choir room in the building next door. All right. So uh, with that being said, let's go to the Lord's Prayer. And after we pray, uh, would you please rise and welcome one another. Father God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for coming to you in your house this morning. Bless us. Touch us with your spirit, Lord God. And I pray you take your place. Take charge, Lord. Sending anyone in need to come to know you personally, Lord, save you, today, save you that day. Be with those Lord who are out traveling and those who are homesick. Lord, let them know we love them. And we're praying for them. Bring them safely back to us, Father God. And we pray for those that are online, Lord, that they too would feel you, know you, Lord God, and be encouraged to come and be a part of what you're doing here in the sanctuary, Lord, and while we stand together. Go with us now as we worship you. May we worship you in truth and spirit. And may your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all please rise and welcome one another.
if you would, make your way back to your seats. We have a short video for you to see for Operation Christmas Child. Please make your way back to your seats. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I want every child to know that there's a God. I want every child to know that God loves them. That God sent His Son from heaven to this earth to take our sins. We've got a charge to go into the world to make disciples of all nations, to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. God, here I am. Take me and send me and use me. God laid it on my heart. The Himbas need someone to give them the word of God. My vision for the Salma contract is that we will share the gospel and to establish a host church here so that they also can receive the, the, the blessing of Christ. Through the gift boxes, we are going places that no church will be allowed. Places like Dandy, that floating village. We are reaching those that have never heard the gospel. We find them having not even a Bible in their own language. Areas of the world where people need to know that God loves them and cares them and sent His Son from heaven to this earth for them. God loves you and God loves me! Operation Christmas Child opened doors to evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. When a child receives a shoebox, it shows them who God really is and how much He cares for them. We give to the children, also the mothers and the fathers, and their brothers and sisters also accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Churches are using these shoeboxes, the greatest journey to Pacific program, to reach out to the ends of the earth with the gospel. God sent His Son to this earth on a rescue mission. Jesus Christ died and shed His blood on the cross for our sin. And then on the third day, God in heaven said, It's enough, and He raised His Son to life. This is the good news, and we've got a responsibility to take this message to the ends of the earth.
blessing that is. What a blessing. I will trust in you. That's what describes you this morning. You come this morning and say, I am weak, but in Him I am strong. I will trust in Him. Perhaps you're looking online somewhere that has the answer. Let me tell you the answer is trust in Him this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, please open with me to the book of Acts, chapter 4. Though we will not stay there, we just begin there. Acts chapter 4. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, we come down in Jesus' name. And Lord God, as we look into your word, we just speak to open our hearts to hear from you, Lord, so that we might be able to respond to you. We might, Lord, obey you. And I pray, Father God, you give us many women strength and courage, Lord, to step up as you call us to do. Let today be a day, Lord, that souls be saved. We can become a part of your body here. Children, Lord, can walk away from home. We love you. Thank you. Come back to you. Be glorified.
look at your ears when you do that, though. I'll say, can you perceive that? <laughs> I try to use those words. It would behoove you, young man, to take the trash out. <laughs> I was inoculated against her snarky comments. However, however, it's really hard to bring those words in there. Can you see, can you perceive what Peter and John are going through here? And here we have the author of the book of Acts telling us that these temple officials came up to where John and Peter were, and they saw the boldness of them. And let me tell you something, church, before we even get started, the church today needs a good old-fashioned baptism of boldness. Somebody say amen. We need to get ourselves back to sharing the gospel, back to winning the lost, back to believing that the gospel can change the life of anybody. These guys were bold because they believed that the gospel could change somebody's life. Do you believe the gospel could change somebody's life? Let me ask you a question if you're joining us online. Do you believe the gospel can change your life? If you believe the gospel can change your life, then you'd be here in church hearing the gospel instead of looking for somewhere else to be. Now, I'm not trying to put anybody down this morning, and I'm not trying to preach to them. What I'm trying to do is let you know that when we believe, something happens. Well, we could have now, belief is a lot more than saying something. Belief is where we start putting it into practice. Now, Peter and John started putting their faith into practice. And the Bible tells us that these people saw Peter and John. They saw what they were doing. They saw what they became. They saw what was happening. And they began to understand that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were uneducated and untrained. They marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. What made them a marvel? What made them bold? The Bible tells us they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. What made them say that? What made those temple officials say that? They had been with Jesus. I wonder what Peter and John said that morning. It was such a wonderful sermon or such a powerful powerful statement. I wonder what they said. If they said something like we would say behind today's pulpit. Let me tell you right now, I believe the preachers behind today's pulpit are a shadow of what we used to be. I believe we lack conviction. I believe we lack sincerity. I believe we lack true love. And I believe we lack the faith to be bold in the gospel again. Well, I just make you sure about that. Oh, so y'all amen. <laughs> You're perceiving. Right? Amen. Now, these guys had been with Jesus. And the Bible tells us that these temple officials began to see. They began to understand. And even though they were unlearned and untrained, they were not professional teachers. They were professional Bible scholars. But they had been with Jesus. And something changed inside of them. And that's what we're hitting on this morning. Is when you're with Jesus, when Jesus is with you, you're going to change. Can I get an amen on that this morning? What made these people say that? Well, they had been with Jesus. What did Peter and John do? Well, you know what they did. They're going to heal somebody. Let me tell you something. If you've been with Jesus and you start sharing Jesus with somebody, you're going to see somebody get saved sooner or later. You're going to see somebody get changed sooner or later. You're going to see somebody come back to the Lord sooner or later. Now, how could the Sadducees recognize that these two had been with Jesus? Remember that the Sadducees believed God can only work around the temple. They believed that God would only work in religious institutions. 
Do you know some preachers like that today? Do you know something like that? Well, let me be honest with you, the Sadducees have begun to recognize that they have been with Jesus because they were bold. They had had some complications with Jesus. Turn our picture for you. Let's put that right here. Remember the high priest and the, the most of the, the, the court side of the temple there would have been Sadducees because they went over the temple at this time. And they, in order to maintain control, began pushing out the belief that God only works in the temple. Sounds kind of familiar nowadays, doesn't it? God only works through ordained ministers. What a wonderful So <laughs> let's begin this morning with a quick look at Jesus. Let's take a look at him. They recognize they've been with Jesus. They were bold, and they were able. They were bold. They were able. They have been with Jesus. Let's begin with a quick look at Jesus. Look at me in John 7. Verses 45 and 46, the Bible says, Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why have you not brought him? They dispatched these guys to arrest Jesus. And this is what they say, verse 46. The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Nobody ever spoke like this. Can you imagine walking up to arrest Jesus and then having the ability, having the privilege, the pleasure of hearing the Son of God that voice, how wonderful it must have been. And let me tell you, all thoughts of arresting Jesus just melted in your head. You know what? Husbands and wives, it's amazing how much anger can melt when a husband and wife are saying, I'm sorry. It's amazing how much anger can melt when a husband and wife says, You're right, and I'm wrong. They came with a point to arrest Jesus. They heard him and he said, never a man spake like this man. Never a man spoke like he did. I wonder what they overheard. Did they overhear? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Did they overhear other things? Like I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father except through me. Did they overhear other things? I wonder what they heard. I heard Jesus' passion, because there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus was passionate. He was passionate. Perhaps they heard his control, his authority, and his voice. He was able to control the crowd. The soldiers were completely caught up in what Jesus said so much, they literally forgot to arrest him. They come back empty-handed, and they report to their supervisors and the supervisors say, why did you arrest him? They say, never man spake like this. Never a man spoke like this. Now, I want to remind you that the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In fact, there was nothing made that was ever made that wasn't made through Him. He was there in the beginning with God. And let me tell you something. He's right now with God. And if you are a Christian, He's right now with you. They heard that voice. That same voice spoke the word That voice that said, Let there be light. I wonder what they heard as they walked up upon Jesus. Did they hear Jesus say, Let there be love? 
Let there be forgiveness. Let there be understanding. Let there be new life. Let there be redemption. Let there be forgiveness. Let there be somebody who begins to understand that God loves you and thinks you're worth it. One, association to just the day walked in a church. Do you know this woman? My Bible tells me in John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28, that his feet, Jesus' feet, hear his voice, and they know him, and he knows them, and they follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. Verse 28 says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I wonder what kind of voice those simple officials heard as they walked into a refuge with their torches, their swords, their spears, their armor, their official position. As they walked up to the God who created this universe, walked up and said, You better listen to us. And what they ended up doing was getting their ears full. Come on, take it <laughs> They walked up and heard him speak. And they reported back to their overseer. Never a man This is the same voice that turned water into wine. I wonder about that over and over and over again what the water must have heard as the water looked up into his precious, beautiful face, into the face that would die for all creation, into the face that said, creation mourn, and I will set it right with my death. I'll reverse the curse, and I'll make it holy again. I wonder what the water heard. The same water that were outside raging in a storm, and Jesus steps up and speaks to it. Peace! Five verse seven tells us, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today you will hear his voice. Perhaps that you heard Jesus' voice. And Peter and John as they gathered together to the rescue, rescue in that morning. And they came back and said, These guys are coming with you. They heard their voice. They heard their I would have changed it around and say something like this. Are you saved? Everyone is just saying, From the White House to the White House. We'd all say Yeah, I'm saved. Everywhere I go, from the Colleen Mall to McDonald's or anywhere else, I might hang out and I begin talking to somebody. Are you saved? They say, yep. I'm born again. I'm blood-bought. I'm redeemed. Everyone is change. There was an emotional change. 
There was a change in their attitude. There was a change in what was important to them. There was a change in how they loved. Why? Because Jesus changed the people. I want to give you a little spiritual truth this morning. You can't go with God and stay the same way you are. When you, yeah, praise God, you go around the block, yeah. When you get to know Jesus, He will change you. You won't change God. He will change you. And if you will put Him in your heart, He'll change you. That's why I know if you can stand your alcoholism or your drug abuse or your pornography or your anger, your hatred, your racism, whatever it is, then He hasn't changed you because you haven't heard His voice. Now let's continue with our look at Jesus. Look at me in Matthew 7, 28, 28. So it was when Jesus had been to be saying that the people were astonished at His teaching. For He taught them as one having authority. Praise God. He had authority. Of course He did. He owns the universe. He had authority. He's the creator of the universe. He's our redeemer. He holds the note to our redemption in His blood-stained, nail-pierced hand, sir. He taught them as one having authority. Jesus taught with authority. When you teach with authority, it means a couple of things to me. That means you taught one with passion. And I believe we as a church, we're supposed to be the voice of God, the hands of God, the feet of God, the heart of God. We're supposed to be what the people see when they look at God. Then we need to get back to teaching with authority. And when we teach with authority, we better start teaching with passion. Amen? If we believe what we're teaching, if we live what we're teaching, then it'll be a passion for us. And we will start passionately teaching the gospel once again. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? If you had passion, it would be something you do all the time. Passion, it would be something that breaks your heart when you don't do. Passion. Every day my prayer is, God, give me a passion for the lost. Let me love them like you love them. Help me, Lord, to share the gospel with them like you do. And may they hear your blessed voice. But never a man stays like that. Never a man taught like that. For he teaches with authority. And in his authority, there was obvious passion. I wonder what it would have been like to hear, to feel, to see the passion of Jesus Christ. The passion. I wonder what it would have been like to feel his passion. To listen to his sermons, the passion that was there. It wasn't robotic. It wasn't methodical. No, it was passionate. And it was authoritative. And it was genuine. And it was straight from the mouth of God. It's called passion. Passion. When's the last time we talked with God? We believe what we teach. If we believe what we teach, we'll live what we teach. If we live what we teach, then we'd be passionate about where we go. Passionate about what we do. Passionate about people. You know, passionate. And in that authority, he passionate. You know what else he taught with compassion? He taught with love, compassion. Christian, it is not right for us to not love people. When we become Christian, we're supposed to love them. Somebody should say amen right now. We're supposed to be able to love the unlovable. That means 
the one that's undesirable, the one that stinks too bad, the one that hasn't brushed his teeth for 47 years. You love them. Why? Because Jesus teaches with authority and He's told us to be the love of God. He's shown us that we can be the love of God. And He's told us to love one another. Love them. Love them. Real compassion doesn't cut us back. Real compassion doesn't look in a blind eye. Real compassion your compassion lives. You know what else Jesus taught me? Conviction. He taught this conviction and absolutely no problem saying, you are twofold the Son of God. He's telling me twofold. You will travel and compass land and sea and to make one proselyte and you'll make him twofold the Son of hell as you are. He said, you are whitewashed too. He said, you sons of you brood of vipers. He reminded us that government isn't God. He reminded us that religion isn't God. He reminded us that true relationship with Jesus Christ is because you heard His voice. And if you heard His voice, you can't help but obey. Because when we have His voice in our hearts and in our lives, we will listen. We will obey. That's the true test of a Christian. That's the true test of them. Are you obeying Jesus? Our church today needs a lesson on that too. Instructions are right in the Bible. Right there. They're right there for us to see. The problem is that many churches are excluding the Bible today. And they exclude the Bible from being the authority on what teaches on how they teach and what they teach. In fact, they have come out to say, well, the Bible doesn't pertain to modern day life. God didn't know we were going to take this turn in society. Well, you know what you're saying about your God? You're saying your God is short-sighted. Let me tell you, my God knows everything. My God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. My God is all-powerful. He's Jehovah. He is El Shaddai. And He is God's most problem with the church today. They're like, we don't want to offend somebody. You know what? I'd rather offend you and have you go to heaven than somehow appease you and have you burn in hell. Because if I teach with compassion, then I've got to share that love. And that love tells me to tell you there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Muhammad won't take you there. Mary won't take you there. The prophet Michael will take you there. Muhammad won't take you there. Or any other weird Change religions out there. They won't take their own Jesus to get you there. And if I love you, that's how you get there. Instructions are right in the Bible for us to see. Don't be one of those churches. Oh, if I talk about the Bible, it's going to offend somebody. Praise God. I love it. I love it. When I start talking to somebody about the Bible and they get mad, get mad. I'm like, I didn't say that. The Bible said that. And they're like, where? And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you got I remember several years ago, the Mormon knocked on my door. <laughs> I was praying for that to happen. They were out and about. You could tell when they were about to. They had a white shirt and a black name tag, you know. And they were out and about knocking on the doors. I was on my knees. God, let them knock on my door. Please, 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 please. Oh, Lord, send them here. Sure enough, they didn't ring the doorbell. They knocked. 
I opened the door like I did a gift shop. Hello! They introduced themselves to the elder so-and-so, elder so-and-so. He's looking at two 19-year-old kids. I'm like, you're older than dirt, buddy. I got socks older than you. I sure do. I'm not proud of that, but I do. They introduced themselves, and they began sharing. We want to introduce you to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I said, oh, wow. Do you know Jesus? They said, we sure do. I said, let's talk about the biblical Jesus. They said, well, we got a Bible right here. I said, no, no, that ain't the Bible. Let me pull my Bible out. They're like, well, we, we can't use that Bible. And I was like, why not? They're like, well, we, we have our own special Bible. And I was like, isn't that amazing? How you had to write your own Bible to justify what you believe. And I want to tell you something right now. If we don't get back to teaching the Bible and not what somebody says about the Bible, we're going to fall in the same trap the Mormons did. we got to get back to teaching Scripture, Scripture alone, and what God says. Somebody say amen this morning. The Scriptures are right there. Get back to preaching. Get back to teaching. Get back to having compassion. Get back to teaching with authority. And get back to teaching with boldness. Well, those Mormons had a blast with me that day. Actually, they left, and they actually signed this clause in front of me that said, we'll never knock on your door again because what's talking you up is unsavable. All about you, I mean, I was laughing. I'm not kidding you guys. I followed them down to my neighbor's door. They knocked on my neighbor's door, and they turned around and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, when you leave from there, I'm going to talk to my neighbor and tell them I'm going to undo the lies they're telling you. They turned around got in their car and left. I was afraid they are going to call the cops on me. I couldn't help it, though. I had compassion. I felt alone, but I had to get on my knees and say, God, forgive me for not sharing the gospel with my neighbor. I had to let the Mormons show up and convict me. Oh, my goodness. We need to teach with compassion. We need to teach with authority. We need to teach with the Bible. We also need to teach like Jesus did with passion. Jesus taught passionately. He said, our Thank you. 
But there's a piece of truth we need to look at this morning. A biblical truth this morning that we often overlook and we often wait to stop. <laughs> Let's look at this biblical truth this morning. Turn with me to Luke 16, 45. Jesus is teaching passionately, passionately, with conviction and authority. Speaking like no man had ever spoken before. Jesus says in verse 45, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Therefore, listen to me now and listen closely. What comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart. Do you have a cursing problem? Do you have an anger problem? Do you have a slander problem? Do you have a complaining problem? And that's what's in your heart and not you. What comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. Answer the question, what comes out of your mouth? He knows what's in there. I pray for you every day. I spend time with a lot of you throughout the week. I visit with you. I minister with you. I show up at your houses. And you know what's funny? None of us are perfect. None of us are. picture of where we are spiritually is what comes out of the mouth. Jesus knows what's in our hearts. And by the way, just in case you forgot, comes out of your heart. It comes out of your mouth. Look at me in John 2, verse 24 and 25. Jesus tells us what's in our heart. Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. You think Jesus doesn't know you? He knows everything about you, buddy. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what color your eyes are underneath your contact. He knows whether they're horns underneath your hat. He sort of, he knows whether you tuck that fork and tail inside your pants. He knows whether you're a liar, a sinner, an adulterer, a blasphemer. He already knows. And my Bible tells us that he doesn't commit himself to them because he knew all men. You understand, men have to commit themselves to him. Verse 25, he had no need to be anyone to testify to man, for he knew what was in man. He knew what was in man, just in case you say, Pastor, what's inside of man? I don't remind you of what God the Father said. In the book of Genesis, as he looks down on the world right before he sends the flood, right before he destroys the world with the flood, he says, and the heart of man is nothing but evil continually. Jesus didn't have any testified to him. He didn't need that at all. Remember, you ever heard that old saying, you're all with me? I don't know about you, but I, I love that. Some of you can take a look at me and say, Pastor, you're a twinkie, aren't you? Pastor, you're, you're a Twinkie. Do you remember that Twinkie? You said a cowboy hat and a bandana and a lasso. Y'all remember that? Well, that is not me. But you are what you eat. You ever heard that old saying? You are what you eat. And by the way, when it comes out of your mouth, it's a picture of what's in your heart. Let's take a look here at the pictures of things that we eat on. Incidentally, what comes out of your mouth is a picture of what you're feeding your soul on. You're feeding your soul filthy movies, 
feeding your soul filthy things on your telephone. You're feeding your soul filthy words and communication. It's going to come out of your mouth later on because you're feeding your soul now. You're putting God's Word in, and guess what's going to come out of your mouth later on? God's Word. So what are you feeding your soul on? What you feed on is what you are. It will come up out of your mouth, and it will become that which you treasure. Jesus said that. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What comes out of your mouth is a picture of what's in your heart. You'll begin to crave that which you feed on. Look with me in Matthew 6, 19 and 21. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break into. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you treasure, what you love, is where your heart will be. And what you're feeding on is what you love. And that's where your heart is. That's your question. Is it Jesus? Now on top of that, Jesus said to choose. But with fear. Jesus choose. In fact, it was 22 to God. I think we've all read Ephesians 2, but we get excited about, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not a works lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. Oh, that's what we quote out of Ephesians 2. And we forget what's going on. A lot of times we lay it aside. You see, there's a story about a Chinese philosopher. You've read all the sacred books that are out there in the Quran, the Vedas. Book of Mormon, Pearl of Fire. Finally, the Christians brought him the New Testament. If you read the New Testament, it's a terrible man returned a few weeks later and he said, If you read the New Testament, the Chinese philosopher, the scholar said, Guess what I did? I read it from cover to cover, and the Christian said, What was the most spectacular thing? Only when it's New Testament. Now, you might always be thinking the things I was I was thinking the Chinese scholar would say the resurrection from the dead is incredible, it's powerful, it's amazing. Or perhaps it was like me, this is why I think I was thinking maybe it was the virgin birth. The virgin birth is incredible. It's not Chinese philosophy. He said, I read Buddhism, Christianism, Sufism. I have read Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. Remember Ephesians 2. It's about how we walked in this world, how we were sinners, how we were disgraceful to God, how we didn't deserve anything. Yet God came and saved us by grace, not of works, 
And then finally, he tells us you're built, therefore, on the teaching of the apostles. You're a pillar in the household of God. In verse 20, you've been built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, doing the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple inside the Lord. Verse 22, whom you also have been built together for a dwelling This is the only religion where I've seen where their God comes to live inside of them. He comes to live inside of you. And let me ask you a question. Though all these years I may have been saying it wrong, are you saying? Maybe I should have been asking. Because the Bible tells us where your heart is, there your treasure will be. In fact, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. And if you were to gauge right now, would it cost wisdom to you or not? Does he live inside of you? I tell people I'm saved. I tell people I'm a church member. I tell people I'm a Christian. But deep down inside, he does not live in me. You understand now why? Those Sadducees, they walked upon Jesus teaching, and they said, never, never a man think like that. You understand now why they walked up to him and said, this guy had authority. Because he has the authority to take himself and put it inside of you. And when he puts himself inside of you, you will never be the same. Never. He says it like this. If you eat of me, you'll never hunger again. If you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. If you hear my voice, you can't go back. Christianity is the only religion 
Spirit inside of you. See, let's take that a little bit further. If God's not living inside of you, you've got somebody else living inside of you. What do you think is going to happen? Let's just look at my house, for example. I have a little bitty house, and most of you have been to my house. And so my house, there's some neat things that I love. What's in there? Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jefferson, my buddy right here. <laughs> Jeffrey is a source of joy and a source of I'll, I'll let you finish that. Is Jeffrey Purcell for the right folks? He's also emergency food rack. <laughs> but when you let wrong people in your house, around your wife and your children, things end up missing them. Don't they give them a pet wrong person in your house? Your belongings, your children, your children, your children, your children, your children. Let me tell you something. The wrong person living in you, showing you peace, showing you joy, showing you love, and hope, and faith. That wrong person living in you. I want to remind you what Jesus said. He speaks to his soul. He speaks to his heart. He speaks to his soul. And no man ever spoke before. Jesus tells us in John 3 10, peace has come. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them because I'll live in you. Say, Pastor, I am a Christian, but I've been treasuring other things. No, we do that. We do that when we give into flesh. We call it carnal Christianity. But you be willing to come and repent and say, Jesus, I want you to live in me. You be willing to come and get a right with Jesus this morning. Pastor, say, Pastor, I need a church. I need a place to fellowship, to grow, to pray with, and to have support. You be willing to come this morning, be part of our family, that church. But Pastor, say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I am a member. Thank you for your word. It is in Jesus. And it is powerful. And it is powerful in the Eucharist. If you take charge right now, Lord, if there's anyone who needs to come to you in any way, but especially, Lord God, if there's anyone who needs to get their relationship with you right, anyone who needs to become a Christian, someone who needs to let you live in them this morning, let's say, let's say, 
I want to bless you. I want to thank you. I want to praise you. And give you all the glory. Let's just take charge. Let's just take charge. Let's just take Breathe on me. Come on. Christ, live in me. Don't forget, uh, we'll have that fire practice this afternoon. Don't forget, quarterly visit meetings at 9 p.m. rest of it you can find online at uh, rabcco.org, or you can find it on Facebook or in your bulletin. Let's close in that word of prayer. I hope to see you guys this evening. Let us pray tonight. Would you please be prepared?